I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. <coughs> okay, so if I cough, that'll be bad. Hello and welcome to another episode of SyrupCast. It is uh, Thursday, February 11th? 12th? 12th. Uh, thank you, Jane. February As whatever. always. It's February whatever because every day in February is exactly the same. Not Friday and... the 13th. Oh, that's or right. Or Valentine's Tomorrow. Day. Eh. Although Friday the 13th and February 14th are uh, right next to each other, so uh, that doesn't bode well for anybody in love. Uh, as always, <laughs> I'm joined by Douglas Soltis. Uh, how are you, sir? There is no love in my life, only except, ginger beer. Except for that delicious homebrew. Uh, and Jay McIntaggart, how are you? Yay! It, it how is... are you? <laughs> just yay! <laughs> Muppets! Just... That's the best Muppet. The Muppet that says nothing but just shakes. I'm pretty good. Right before the podcast, I ate an entire box of Junior Mints, which I haven't oh, had in a long time. Wow. And I jealous. love Junior Mints. They're like I love my the, weakness. I love the, like, the big king size. Oh. Oh. Well, Daniel, it's, it is indeed a king size box. Oh, sorry. Today's podcast guest arrived early. Uh-oh. We're going to have some <laughs> purring. Well, I'll try and keep her unhappy for you guys. Uh, so this week is, uh, it's been a, a busy week, but it's also sort of a slow time in mobile. Uh, there's been a ton of regulatory stuff, but Doug and I have basically beaten that to a pulp. Yeah. Last week, we, uh, the week before, it was just Doug and I, and we talked all about regulatory. And then last week, we had uh, Ben Class talk about... Sorry, what am I saying? Two weeks ago, Jane was here too. We I'm did glad talk it about meant regulatory. so much to you, Daniel. I'm, 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 a, I'm a terrible, <laughs> terrible person. Last week, it was just Doug and I, and we had a guest on, Ben Class. If you haven't listened to that podcast, or if you did try to listen to it and you had some audio problems, uh, try again. We, uh, we cleaned it up, and uh, if you couldn't get through it the first time... Yeah. It's worth checking out once again because the conversation was fantastic. Yeah. Send was a petition really, really to Ben Class, B-E-N... <laughs> and get him to buy a mic for podcasting. Yeah, please uh, put yourself on uh, Kickstarter or something just to buy yourself one of those damn mics. This week, though, we're going to deviate a little bit from that. We're going to talk hardware. This is a, an MWC hardware preview episode. So tons of stuff happening in the hardware space. We know a lot about the upcoming devices from HTC, Samsung, Motorola, Huawei. Uh, everybody else is going to be churning out those phones. Today we also got a preview of Windows 10 for smartphones. I loaded it up on my Lumia 820. Is it worth it? We'll check it out. Uh, but first, uh, guys, what are you using right now? Let's talk a little bit about the last six months 
of your hardware because I want to know what you guys are using so that we can know what you're excited for. Jane? I just looked at it and I was really sad. Um, I'm using the Nexus 6, which I want to love, but just, I feel like it's like that, that like, I was going to say boyfriend, but you guys wouldn't know that. It's like that significant other where you're just like, I don't want to break up with them because they're a good person, <laughs> but it's just not just, working out. Actually, I know exactly how that's gone and I resent your analogy. No. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say it's like when you break up with a guy, but I don't think you've ever broken up with a guy before. So anyway. I've, I've broken up with a guy friend, if that counts. Yeah. But we won't okay. get into that. Anyway. That's, that's, that's for our other podcast. Um, yeah. The feelings podcast. That night. I experimented with other platforms in college. <laughs> mm. But yeah, so the Nexus 6. Um, you wrote a story about that, how you were liking it after two months. I did, a tortured article about how, God, if only my free phone made me happier. But um, yeah, no, I just, oh, it's just, it's too big. But you got some really interesting responses from that, and I'm, yeah. I'm actually eager to talk about that, because it seems to be the most divisive phone Google's ever made, and the Nexus 5 is one of those phones now that people look back longingly going, why didn't they just upgrade that version? Why didn't they just give us a smaller, or a, a, a Nexus, a Moto X, basically, uh, in yeah. Nexus form, uh, without realizing that the Moto X is basically a Nexus 6. Yeah, just go form. buy the Moto X, people. Mm-hmm. And now that Android 5 Lollipop is rolled out for the Moto X, it's even more like a Nexus phone. So yeah. what were some of the responses that you got? Like, what, what, what surprised you about the, um, the I got a lot of responses calling me super whiny and spoiled. Because okay, well, I think it's, it's interesting because they... Typical. People, I don't know if people want to hear two months later that someone's not really liking their purchase. I don't know. It's weird because we talked... The reason we started doing this series is because... We figured that you don't really spend enough time with the phone that you're reviewing before you have to get the review finished and out the door. And there's things you you figure out in your first, you know, two, three, six months of owning that phone where you're like, oh, yeah, it's a really great device, but I kind of don't like that it does this. Relationships change and evolve over time. Yeah, but people don't want to hear about that in the same way you don't want to watch friggin' Revolutionary Road. You want to watch, like, When Harry Met Sally. Like, you don't want to hear about how someone's working on like working on liking their phone like it's it's boring so people were saying oh you know if you don't like it why did you buy it and like you shouldn't be complaining but some people were some people decided that it was because i was a woman and small and they said that i'm six foot three and 220 pounds and it's next to six it's the perfect size it's the perfect phone i keep i hope they keep making six inch phones um well that's what's that's what's so interesting to me about google strategy here because Instead of doing what Apple did and releasing two Nexus phones in two sizes, they released a carrier version of the Nexus through the Moto X, and then a one-size Nexus that was extremely alienating to what people considered to be a Nexus um, user base, right? Because instead of it being 350 bucks and super uh, sort of middle-of-the-road in many ways, this is a premium device in every, in every sense. And Which is weird. as a result, you pay you pay for it. But it's weird because I, I agree, but then the size like totally throws me off. Like I don't understand why it is. I think that was my lack of silent mode disturbing the podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, no, I think it's it's weird that I just I, and I touched on it a little bit was that I don't understand why it's six inches. I don't understand why 
for a company like Google who really only makes one phone a year, why they would go for such a huge size. Like I don't understand what was well, wrong because with why. They could have made they could have deviated from their normal three hundred fifty dollar like let's balance price and performance. They could have deviated from that and made like a really high end phone, but it didn't have to be so big. It's so such a polarizing decision, I think. Well such a, yeah. Well, A, because the, the Motorola X does exist. B, because when it comes to Android as a platform and has de- been demonstrated on iOS, Fablet is king, right? So releasing like a super huge phone, you know, yeah, but there's is only like one or the trend two of the market. other six inch phones. Yeah, Fablet's not king yet. And Fablet isn't six inches. Like, you don't have to be. Six inches to be considered a fabric. I'm not saying they didn't maybe necessarily overshoot, but they were probably anticipating like a convergence point, and maybe it's too far. But I also yeah. think we've talked about this before, where the pricing is also a matter of. It's not that it's too much; it's just the expectation of what people want to pay for a Nexus phone, and whether or not that price is aggressively being subsidized versus its actual cost. Um, well, I mean, you know, all the Nexus phones cost exactly the same as the as the Note Four, basically any other high end smartphone on the market. So, you're getting what you would expect from a Galaxy Note Four or an iPhone Six. You're just getting it with a different brand, and that brand has to be. I mean, it's it's an evolving brand. Nexus now encompasses not just phones; it's also tablets, it's set top boxes. Eventually, it'll probably you know, they'll probably release something for the car. Uh, you know, these are things that don't stay static, and Google has a strategy. And if you recall, back in 2014, we heard about this Android Silver program, and I think what, what people don't realize is that the Nexus 6 was probably meant as the first version or first smartphone in that series where they would mm. sell it through carriers, not with a Nexus brand, but they would sell it through, um, you know, in a special with special marketing materials that are that were designed by Google in a very a- Apple-like way. Yeah, that makes so, a lot of that makes a lot of sense because even though the the program kind of got shuttered with the ouster of the guy leading it, I can't remember his name, but we wrote about it. You still have the phone, like you can't. <laughs> the phone development doesn't slow down, right? So unless you completely um, shutter that, you know. Yeah, and, and one of the interesting things Jane wrote about was. How um, this the, the device was supposed to have a fingerprint sensor on the back where the dimple is, and because Apple bought the only company making really good versions of touch-based fingerprint sensors, they just decided to to you know remove the feature altogether. Um, you know, James, would that have been like a premium feature that would have caused you to pay more? No, and I didn't. I don't think I even. I I'd written about that topic a couple of times, but I don't think I even. I even bothered to include it in the in the piece that I wrote because I don't. I don't care. Like I don't think that even if it did have a sensor, I think it would be the, the feature that I would say, "Oh, it's nice that that's there, but I don't ever use it." It would. The, its its sole purpose would be to get little pieces of crud from my pocket stuck around the edges. <laughs> like I don't think it would ever use it. You don't, like like, <laughs> you don't like my your crud dimple. What? You don't like your crud dimple? No, but I'm serious. Like, do you? Like you, do you guys, you guys use your Touch ID, but I use it all the time. Yeah, and I think it's fact, it's fantastic. But we but also I, don't I, curse like the gods every time we use it, right? Because of the implementation. Right. So, yeah. um, even if it was implemented really, really well, I would be skeptical about whether I would use it for anything other than unlocking my phone. I mean, you guys just got their third-party app integration for Touch mm-hmm. ID, but 
I mean, I guess it's because we don't really know, like, Samsung and a couple of other companies have done it, but Android itself doesn't have native fingerprint recognition integration with the OS. So it would have to be, like, a third party. I don't know. I have no idea how to imagine how it would even work, which is why. Yeah, and I think that's something, you know, that we're we're going to see a lot more of, that, you know, the core Android experience is sort of, um, it, it's reached a, a plateau, and now companies like Samsung and HTC are just building on top of that. It's been like that for a long time, but with Lollipop, they're not really messing with the core feature set anymore. And yeah, uh, but they had it; know. it was in there because because until like such a late stage, the phone itself had a fingerprint sensor. It was in Lollipop, and they just disabled it. Yeah, they've it disabled it, it until until a time where it's appropriate. But at the same time, that means there won't be a Nexus phone until at least next October that has fingerprint fingerprint sensor. Yeah. Just okay, like, but. So- so taking it back to the hardware then, would you be, when you're looking to buy a phone, are you looking to buy a phone that maybe includes a feature that won't really be relevant until like the second year of use for that phone? Or do you only want that when... Well, that's what I'm saying. And if it was there, I wouldn't, I wouldn't begrudge its presence because yeah, I, I foresee it becoming more useful in a year, 18 months when mobile payments are more prevalent and stuff like that. But it didn't factor into my into the piece that I wrote because currently it it has no impact impact on my life and definitely if I was buying a phone if I was the kind of person who only bought a phone once every two three years then yeah that would be like future proofing my purchase would be a huge concern but it's not yeah and that, that replacement cycle I think even though people generally replace their phones every you know 18 months to 24 months I think knowing that your phone's going to improve over the course of its life is an incentive to buy a higher end device yeah. mm-hmm. uh, like the Nexus. So you know that at least for 24 months, Google is going to support it with new software. If that hardware is really good from the beginning, and because hardware has reached a point where you can buy a decent phone for $100 and you don't have to worry that it's going to perform badly, when you're buying an $800 phone, you want it to at least have 24 to 36 months of good software updates in it to make it you know to make the hardware worth buying yeah but so i'm experiencing right this right now right so we're like i'm going through this weird life experiment where i've decided to ride the iphone 5 until it literally falls apart of me uh this week was an interesting thing where uh both the home and the lock screen button decided to no longer exist or work so i just basically had a a phone whose screen i could rotate and generally with iOS, this is most recent updates, it's been pretty frustrating to see how the performance drops with each additional feature set, so, and I don't know if the iPhone 5 will even be a supported device when iOS 9 uh, drops, which is supposedly looking to improve just overall performance rather than feature set, but it's that kind of thing where you're like, you know, yeah, the the hardware might be like valuable and good for 24 months, but if the software updates aren't really looking to eke out performance on the lower end, you're still having to update anyways. Yeah, so Apple will support the iPhone 5 with iOS 9. They have to because if that's running an A6 processor and they're supporting they're still selling the iPad mini, the first gen which runs an A5 and that's going to be updated to iOS 9. It has to be because they're still selling it as one of their products. Uh, it's still running in. Um, the, it's it's still running in the 
iPad 2, and I believe, um, so the iPad, the iPhone 5 runs a faster version of uh, that processor, the A6, so it definitely will get <coughs> iOS 9. Um, you know, if, if you look at the iPhone 4, for example, that still runs iOS 8, and it runs it badly, but it still runs it, um, you know, well enough to use for most people. So, one thing that's interesting about iOS 9, though, that we saw a bunch of stuff leaked this week from um, 9to5Mac, it's, it seems like because they're focusing on bug fixes and stability, uh, they're getting out ahead of the, the uh, reputation of iOS 8.1 as being super... <laughs> unreliable and unstable which it is uh there's yeah. been so many there have been so many bugs with this release that it's you know i think it's been a great release in terms of features but for example i can't use a third-party keyboard because it's so it's just so bad it's it never works so, not yeah. even that ikea emoji keyboard oh i love that thing <laughs> Yeah, it is. It, it is something that they're they're just having to double down again on quality control, and it's it's not something you're used to with um, Apple, or at least not not to the extent that maybe some other manufacturers have. Or so I I really think it's smart for them. Also, you know, with iOS eight um, and iOS seven kind of laying two different groundworks, one from an aesthetic standpoint, one with like extensibility and like uh, interoperable features. They really just need to kind of hone that and refine it rather than add some new hot S feature. Like, they just need these features to run better, faster, quicker, more easily, you know, be deeply, more deeply integrated than anything, I think. I'm like, sorry. I've just started, I've just drowned in a sea of negative comments on the internet. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, someone oh. take me back. Pull me back in, guys. What are you reading that's so I'm negative? reading the comments, some of the comments on my on my Nexus 6 post. Someone told oh, me that I'm a hack because he stopped reading when I complained about the Nexus 5 quality, uh, camera quality, because it is a 100% user error, user issue, because the Nexus 5 camera is better than most 16 mega ca megapixel cameras on the market. Oh, really? Yep. <laughs> I'm so angry. <laughs> anyway, sorry guys. Continue. Take a deep breath. Close the tab. They're, they're not real people. They're just trolls. <laughs> They're not. They're not actually there to, like, do good in the world. Hmm. Also, right. like, I love anonymously writing ridiculous things just to see how people respond. Also, so. <laughs> so, Douglas is admitting it. Yeah. It was you. It's, it's just. It's just me, guys. Sorry. Right, yeah. Um, and also, I feel like at this at this point in time, I should mention that this is non-alcoholic ginger beer. I'm not just crushing a full liter of is anything that a liter? other than. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Well, I am crushing uh, <laughs> nearly a full liter of actual beer. I have uh, a cup of tea the size of my face. Mm, nice glass. With a rabbit. Uh, mm -hmm. For the people not uh, watching the, the video pod but listening, this is Innocent Gun. That's my favorite Scottish beer. That's uh, quite good. For the people listening and not watching, they're also missing our amazing new, um, I don't know, nameplates that we have on our feed. Our little banners, yeah. Little banners? Yeah. So let's Sorry, uh, derail let, the conversation there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's do a let's do a preview because this is something like I'm going to Barcelona for the first time. I'm really excited and kind of nervous. But the the two main devices that we're expecting to see there are the Galaxy S6 and the accompanying Edge Galaxy S6 Edge. 
and the HTC One M9. I don't think it'll be called the M9, but everybody is, so we'll just do that for uh, procedural sake. And then there's going to be a ton of other devices that you know it's they're not really worth speculating on yet. But let's talk Galaxy X6 because this is uh, the 2014 was was certainly not a banner year for Samsung. They sold millions of devices, but their profit dropped, their market share dropped. The prospect of them dominating the Android market in both the high and low end dropped so much that it wasn't even you know one one could equate it to um, you know the the rise of Samsung back in 2010. I mean, it's the same sort of uh, momentum, just in the opposite direction. But what's so interesting is that it's not that Samsung's creating bad products because they're not. It's that other companies are creating really great products at half the price. So what does Samsung need to pull out of its hat to make the Galaxy S6 a success? And what can they do when the Android high-end Android market is already so saturated? Well, they definitely don't need to give it those bloody curved edges. That seems to be the thing. They're doing two, right? I don't know. I just find that they... Makes me so angry. It's so, so frustrating because they seem to, like you say, it's, other companies are making great products, and Samsung is making, I don't know, it's like a shotgun approach for one, which is, it's not good for them because it means they can't concentrate enough. But two, they just seem to phone it in. So I don't know. What do you, I want? I want the, the Galaxy Alpha, but bigger. Yeah, that's what the that's what the S six is gonna be. Yeah, yeah, but is it is it gonna be, is it gonna be weird? Is it gonna be all S E? Like I actually just want the alpha again. I want I want with the a nicer Galaxy display. Beta. Yeah, like and I think, you know, and we've talked about this before where like the note line really works in a way that the S line doesn't seem to anymore because it it's t- everything that it's built in such a way that it's all about this idea of like super big phone with like some crazy additional productivity features like it's got an interesting design, and I don't really know what the Galaxy S is about anymore. It was yeah, even even fair. when it was like an iPhone clone, it at least that was an identity in in uh, Contra. But I don't really know what like what should what should a flagship Galaxy S phone be at this stage. So I think it's it's important to point out a few trends over the past three years. The Galaxy S three certainly um, meant to differentiate itself from the iPhone, meant to put its put, differentiate Samsung as a designer of, of good phones, uh, you know, with... I wouldn't say that the Galaxy S3 was a nicely designed phone, but it was certainly... Mm. Um, it stood out more than things. the S2. Yeah. And it looked it looked okay, right? It looked it looked pretty good for, um, you know, for what it was. Uh, but what, what I... What I think is important is that with the Galaxy S4, they thought, okay, we have this design ethic that we're going to build on, and we're going to throw in every feature known to man, right? The Galaxy S4 was the year of the feature. The Galaxy S5 was the year of sort of them clawing back all of those, um, you know, all of that excess, adding water protection, uh, making the phone itself a little bit more robust. And I think this year is going to be all about restraint. It's going in the opposite direction. Right, it's all about metal. It's all about premium. It's all about making sure that your phone isn't overrun with bloatware because that's what has defined Samsung software for so long. And I think it's important 
for them to create a, f- a good phone first, a phone that feels great in the hand, a phone uh, like the Note 4 or the Galaxy Alpha that people look at and go, okay, I see why Samsung is the top-selling Android manufacturer in the world. Well, yeah. so not only that, but to follow up, it, it would be, I see why I would want that phone as opposed to this other Samsung phone. Like, I know what each of these phones is for, either in, in functionality, use case, or, like, target demographic. I need, to know, I need to know why I would choose it over the Note. Yeah, and I feel like the Note is one of those phones you pick it up and you go, ooh, it's pretty. And, like, even... Even when you're, you know, when you're in the store and you're like, mm-hmm. which which device is right for me? And a lot of the time you can look, pick up a device and say, oh, this is really nice. And then you can decide, well, it's a bit too big or, you know, is it's not really right for me. But the Galaxy S5 is one of those devices where you can try and have someone sell you on, like, the utility of that device. But you're probably just going to pick it up and go, eh, he's like, I'm going to put a case on it. Yeah, because it <laughs> also looks look like every other often. phone, right? The the Note, I think the Note and the, the Alpha, I think... We're, I think we gravitate to them more because it looks like a phone that only Samsung could make. Like, it looks like a Samsung phone. Whereas the the the, the Galaxy S series is, like, generic platonic ideal of Android phone. And I want to see them do more, like, this is what we're about. This is Samsung making a phone. In the way that Motorola does that now. I think that's the coolest thing in the world. I want to see, see something that's, like, specific... With intention and not just, you know... This is what a phone is supposed to look like. Yeah. This is what a Galaxy S phone is supposed to look like and do and be, because this is what it's for. I think it's important to realize that Samsung has, you know, come up against a number of other manufacturers who are doing really interesting things um, in terms of of design as well. So, you know, LG just released the... or announced the G Flex 2, and... It's really beautiful. Jane and I, you know, gawked over it for for a very long time at CES. Sony (laughs) released, you know, in spite of their massive write-down, they still sold 20 million smartphones last quarter. They're still making some money. I mean, if you leave aside the $1.5 billion write-down, and Douglas is going to argue with me, that is part of it, obviously. But if you remove that part, (laughs) they're still making a little bit of money. You remove all the the bad news. Yeah. What I mean, okay, it's an accounting trick, I get it, but but they are selling more smartphones. Uh, LG still selling a, a good number of smartphones, and uh, they are... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. ...are primed to do more this year. Do you think uh, they'll have um, another phone at MWC? Uh, who? LG. No. After the Flex? No. No way. LG just launched the G3 in August. There's no way that they'll come out with a G4. So, yeah. Uh, I think that, I mean, the G3 is still a great phone. It's still got a lot to live for. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And we I were... just got the uh, I just got the Lollipop update. I'm going to do a, a preview of that 
uh, for for probably Monday. We're so deep uh, in phones that we're talking about the LG. Like it's okay, it's okay, LG. You you can like <laughs> you got you got yourself. a you got a good twenty months left, man. You just get back in shape, start eating right, find someone who loves you. <laughs> um, so, but, so we we kicked off this conversation with with uh, two companies or two phones, and I think the reason why that they stick together is because. And this is a conversation we were having in the office yesterday. Who's what's who's going to make the first Android phone that's like undisputedly the best Android phone that everyone wants? And like the two potential ones are probably coming from Samsung or HTC. And last year's versions each had their their flaws that we're hoping to correct. The one I made was a phone that we all really really liked to the extent that we could. Can can HTC step up? Like I know that if if Samsung gets out of its own way, it can totally deliver like a triple A amazing phone that sells bajillions if they get out of their own way. Can can HTC do that? No, I mean it's important to realize that a failure for Samsung is still by far a, 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 a sells. 20 million more than the next Android manufacturer. Okay, but, but that's that's also a marketing thing. Like beyond just like the sales, I just mean in terms of like phone. Like if, if Yeah, if, but you and I talk about the HTC and Samsung on the same level, but most people don't even know what an HTC yes, is. They true. don't want they don't Totally true. You know, like they they walk into a into a store and they only know what they know Apple and Samsung and Samsung represents Android. And there are and They no mostly don't even know Samsung. They just say Galaxy. Yeah, and that and and you know Samsung's good with that, and they don't care if they sell you an A5 or an S5. They just want to sell you a Samsung phone. Mm-hmm. So you know that's how they're they're cannibalizing their own market. It's basically like Apple selling an iPod Touch as a smartphone, and saying you know we're we don't care. Or I guess it's the opposite when they started eating into their own iPhone iPod Touch market share with the iPhone. You know, on a two-year contract. They were making way more money from from each device, but they didn't care where their money was coming from. It was just staying in yeah. the company. Um, you know, Samsung's got the opposite problem, that they're not selling as many high-end phones, so they're going to have to make up for it in the mid and low range. And, and that's a problem because Chinese manufacturers like Xiaomi and ZTE and Huawei and all the others are eating them. Hey, I heard that uh, that Xiaomi isn't a phone company; it's an internet company. Oh God! Oh, that's so weird. I I I heard that about another company too. I heard that about Yahoo in two thousand nine. <laughs> I heard about that in, in about Yahoo in nineteen ninety nine. We're not a search engine; we're an internet engine. <laughs> oh, Lord. Of things. No, okay, but <laughs> the ACC, the beyond all the business stuff. Because we, we, we got hot phone takes coming out of our ears. So, and I also, feel, I also think that we feel a responsibility to, if we find amazing phoneness, to relate that to the masses so that they, everyone goes home happy, uh, even if Jane is a hack. So like, do we think <laughs> that this next HTC phone, the, the one M9-ish, not going to be called that, can can be it will it will it be will it be the phone that eliminates all bias yeah i mean if they figure out the camera and i mean really figure out the camera as in just have one 
Well, even if they just have, even if they have two, but if they figure out the camera and it no longer takes terrible photos, I mean, here we're talking about, you know, these companies making, you know, they're putting out 20 megapixel cameras with uh, phones with 20 megapixel cameras, right? And if you know anything about the physical limitations of a smartphone camera sensor, you know that the camera sensor itself isn't going to be demonstrably bigger than that of the iPhone or an older Galaxy or the HC One's uh, UltraPixel, right? It's the size of the individual pixels. So when HTC increases the size of the camera from four megapixels to 20, they have to cram five times the number of pixels into a sensor that may only be uh, 30% larger than the previous device. So you're listening, you're looking at higher detail, higher resolution, but also lower uh, light, uh, poorer low light uh, capabilities that have to be make up, made up for with optical image stabilization, a lot of software tweaks like sharp or um, like uh, sharpening. You know, you have all these things that could potentially go wrong, not because they went back to eight megapixels, but because they jumped five times the resolution to 20 megapixels. So, you know, HTC may be shooting themselves in the foot here again, but who knows? Is that the only thing they need to change? Honestly, I'm a big fan of the HTC One. I think that it's got, it still has my my vote as as probably the best all round Android phone of 2014. Um, Me too. Even I with just, the camera, I just liked it for the for a phone of that size. How well it fit yeah. in my hand. It was amazing. Yeah. Like in an, in an aspect ratio that wasn't didn't make me feel like I was just holding just like a, a screen brick. Yeah. So, I mean, that leads us to Motorola because I think that was the other device, the Moto X was the other device that I really loved in, uh, in, in 2014, and I think you guys all agreed it had some really great aspects to it. Um, and what we're hearing is that the Moto E is going to be announced next week, the second gen, uh, with a $99 price point on prepaid. And, I mean, when you have a, a device like that that runs Lollipop, it's got a decent processor, a decent screen, a gig of RAM, enough storage to get by on. What happens when, you know, you're, you're like, okay, well, you know, here, brother, like, I'll, I'll just buy you a $100 smartphone because, or use it as a second smartphone because, you, you know, you, you want one on, uh, for a backup. Like what happens to the value of high-end Android as a result? Um, I don't. I haven't used the. I haven't used the Moto E a whole lot. What's What's the camera like? I feel like camera is going to be really important to people. I don't know how. No, I I, I don't think the camera is going to be important to people. I think they realize what they're getting. It's a decent. I mean, it's not a great camera. It's a piece of crap. That's yeah. what it that's can, what I mean. It can successfully take a photo. Like it but can it will capture. Take a photo. But it that's what will no stop it from from being the. The phone that that you for, that, like, that for teenagers dollars really no not at all no but that's all. what I that's the f- that's like if it takes sucky photos like you know as long as they can kick those sucky wanna, photos like... to each other back and forth then like <laughs> they're fine with it like it's I don't it's know like they are it's like baseline I, communication tool at that point right I don't think as long as it runs Snapchat I don't think they're gonna worry that there's not a lot of detail in their five megapixel photo yeah I I mean I don't for the most part 
Uh, I just want a, a camera that takes good shots most of the time. But I also you know that when I'm using... get the Nexus 5. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. We're getting to the point now where high-end only refers to build quality and not performance. Because the performance difference between any of these devices is so... Like, you know, like we've talked a lot about, like, benchmarking and things and, like, how useless that is and, like, you know... Uh, Speak for yourself. How, well, when it comes <laughs> to phones and, like, especially when they're all running the same OS that can't necessarily take advantage of um, increases in memory or processor or the amount of number fudging that's been going on. Like, if you put a list of... Or, like, a lineup of all Android phones together from one year, from the high end to the low end... Is not that much of a difference, right? So, what what are you what are you paying for? It's like the it's like the Nexus thing. It's like what what value are you expecting to extract at that price point? And for a hundred dollars, if you're like, hey, this phone like is totally solid, works r- really well, and like is durable, gets me through my day, hundred dollars, that's great. And then it sets storage this... though. What are they going to do? Like storage? Those low end phones always have like next to no storage. Yeah, because no right. one buys a hundred dollar phone and is like, I need to back up all my files and stuff. They're no, like, people hey, buying a hundred dollar can... phone aren't saying, Oh, I should I should every every couple months I should take off all my photos and put them on my computer so that I, they're not like taking up all my space. Like we've talked before about how sixteen gigs just mostly isn't enough for anybody anymore. Because the way it's we an, use our phones. It's an education thing too. So yeah. uh you know, Lollipop fixed most of the issues with external storage. Apps can now store to uh, their own folder, but other devi- other um, apps can now store to other folders when given the permission. Google really messed up uh, external storage on KitKat. Oh, Intentionally, right? Hang on one second. Continue amongst yourselves. Intentionally, oh. did you say? Yeah. Well, they were they made it really diff- difficult to like store to SD and stuff like that, right? Yeah, but um, did you say intentionally? Do you, you think they did it on purpose? Yeah, because they started like restricting access and, and things like that and making it slower as a, as a security thing. Like, they started building in... Like, they started tr- to try to work out like external memory in Android, and I think there's been a bit of a swing back. I know, I know I'm, I'm kind of pre- presuming what Daniel's big um, rant was going to be, or his, or his little education session. But let, Daniel's gone. Let's talk about us. Let's talk, Let's about, talk about us. Yeah. How, how are we feeling? What are we thinking? We're not um, going to Barcelona. No. Bayer's going for the first time. So maybe for the people who have never gone to a Mobile World Congress and want to know more about what it's like, we can, we can share our experiences. Because I been, have always um, had a lovely time. Yeah. Day one, press conferences. Day two, show floor. Day, like, four through eight, like, cured meats and Tapas. Spain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Chorizo Spain. all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> What did I? What did I miss? Uh, uh, we, we talked about ourselves for a while. Oh, cool. <laughs> no, we were just so uh, we we guessed at what we thought you were going to educate us about, and then we decided to just talk about because none of our listeners ever get to go to these conferences, right? And I think a lot of them might have a conception of what CES is as like a just a North American trade show that happens to be about tech. There's everyone's probably been to at least one trade show, but Mobile World Congress is always is like is very different, not only because of Sorry, where it intersects globally and the convergence of tons of international companies there, but then just because it's in Barcelona, um, the style and the aesthetic and the experience of like actually being being there as a journalist versus you know 
Vegas or Florida or other places. Florida. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty nervous to be honest. I yeah. uh, I've never been to Barcelona. I know no Spanish. You don't need. I it. know nothing Not about the week. city. Not that. Um, week. I've heard it's it's terrible for for pickpocketing. So I'm basically just gonna glue all of my stuff on me, and uh, hope for the best. But uh... <clears throat> you'll have a great time. And the more I'll facial be... hair you have, the more you'll look like a Spaniard. So like, mm. start on that now. Oh no no no! I don't look I don't look good with facial hair. Um... I'll sacrifice that. <laughs> um, what else so, happened? Well, okay, so let's. So we're done talking about the Moto E, but I just want to come back to the point about how Motorola has a really good thing going. And they sold 10 million smartphones last quarter. Um, it was the first quarter under Lenovo, and Google never reported smartphone sales uh, when they own Motorola, but Lenovo does. And it was really interesting because most of them were probably Moto Gs, and some of them were Moto Es, and a very small number were probably Moto Xs. But that doesn't mean that the Moto X was a failure. It just meant that the Moto G was a super popular phone. Uh, but I do think that it's important that they keep iterating on these products because the second gen Moto E was a vi- was Moto G was a very incremental upgrade over the first. The Moto X more so than the first, but uh, the Moto E looks to be uh, that kind of hitting that price point, that hundred dollar price point that a lot of people really focus on when it comes to um, electronics. So I look forward to trying it and seeing what it can do. Uh, the other the other thing that um, came out today was the Windows 10 for phones. Uh, it's a technical preview. It does not look or feel much like the end product from what we've been told. But uh, it's going to be uh, a very interesting new direction for Microsoft because they are putting a lot of their universal app strategy into Windows 10. Um, what do you guys think? I mean, is this going to do anything for the the Microsoft, especially after the announcement of them buying Sunrise and Accompli, they're really focusing on mobile as a platform now and a cross-platform strategy rather than just Windows. What do you guys think? I am excited. I have I since the start. I think since like the the Windows Phone seven days, I've always thought that it looked like it was a really good looking OS and it had so much potential. But I can't believe we're still waiting for it to get there. That's well, I don't know. I just want to. I just want them to get it right. And I think yeah, like they're what if it's like a whole platform approach, they're doing well and they're spending a lot of money trying to get it to where it needs to be so that it, they actually can. One of the things that struck me when I was watching that event in January, the the Windows 10 preview event, was how it almost seems like if they can make Windows Phone as much like Windows 10 on the desktop, they can almost funnel desktop users onto their mobile devices by being like, hey, this this phone does exactly all that stuff that you need to do. But, yeah, um, that's that's a great idea. I don't know. So in my conversations with Microsoft employees, I feel that even they are unsure the extent to which they are committed to um, being a player in mobile versus being a player on mobile. They're obviously mm. looking to be a player on mobile, but the extent to which that includes them being a hardware company, beyond like Surface, which I, I think they're they're pretty excited with how quickly they were able to ramp that up and get that to a point where with the um, Pro Three, it's it's I think it's where what they the vision that they had of it is like kind of there. 
um, and with you know Microsoft Band being an, exper uh, an experiment that they'll iterate on. I, I in terms of like pure mobile, I'm not sure where they're at with that. They're they're kind of returning to their roots and just being a software services company, and that means being everywhere. So, like, are, are they really going to stick to and commit to making Windows 10 work on mobile? Yeah, I mean, if they if they don't have to design two OSs anymore, then the core framework for Windows 10 just writes itself. And I think that's the goal. They get it to a point where it's a responsive and dynamic design the same way that a web developer would design a single web page uh, that's adaptable across multiple screen sizes. Uh, you have to you know, build the infrastructure beforehand um, and then build on top of it. And I think if they do a good enough job with Windows 10 as a platform, then yeah, I, I don't see any reason why Windows 10 shouldn't be completely successful, especially when they are building, they're partnering now with you know, Windows developers to create universal apps that'll run on both, so they don't they can use a single yeah. code base. I mean, Dropbox was the best example of that. Well, just because Windows, just like the if Windows 10 can work on mobile is a big if, and like just bracket that for a second. But even if it they end up do getting it to work on mobile in a way that everyone's like, yeah, this is pretty good. Is that even compelling enough to get them to? being a serious competitor in the space or like like to to be the, uh, the third platform that that competes against the top 2 you're going to have to be bringing something new to the table not just having feature parity because there's there's no space there's no air for a third just it's too late, just to yeah. be there right um now going back to whether or not like you know this responsive design for desktop and mobile I will believe that when I experience it because that is super, super, super hard. Not only like technologically, but like even just from a UX perspective, like, like even responsive web design doesn't work all the time, right? Like it's it's a new framework that is is a lot of promise and then with still nagging caveats and and mobiles mobiles tough even when you're pure mobile. Like yeah, but I, I mean you have to realize that. Even Apple has this problem with iPad, right? You know, creating a single OS that's functional across. Oh, there's on the on the mute button. Well done. Um, you know, even Apple has the problem with uh, the iPad adjusting uh, to both iPhone and iPads. Um, you know, scaling. They're not taking advantage of the full screen size of the of the iPad. They could do a lot more in in terms of making the iPad a more responsive. Yeah. OS. So, like, if I'm, I guess I would put it this. Let's put a positive spin on it. If Microsoft pulls it off, and they have the money and like the expert, like you know, they have all the resources there to be able to do it. If they do succeed, man, is that an amazing thing? Like, that's something we've never. That's like a new thing. That is Microsoft, like, really pushing forward and innovating. Because not you're you're totally right that even Apple, as close as iOS and OS X are getting, are still not um, the same or completely functional. That would be that would be amazing. That would make Microsoft like a leader in tech again in a very very significant way. Not just a player, but a leader. Well, I mean, yeah, a leader in in the platform product, but then. 
they'd have to convince developers to finally build services yep. that run on the platform, and that's mm -hmm. a whole other problem that I don't think Microsoft's ever going to solve, right? They're going to be stuck with this sub-5% market share until they figure out... Or or they focus on, on you know, hyper-local areas like um, developing markets where they can buy a Windows phone for $79, and they're competing with low-end Android and Firefox and Ubuntu phones. Wow. And, you know, that's exactly where their, the majority of their, of, of their money is coming from. Okay, thought experiment. If Windows 10 is awesome, like it, they, they nail it and it just it does everything that iOS or Android could do. So it's just sitting there. You haven't jumped onto the platform yet. How many Microsoft apps and services would you have needed started to use on Android or iOS that you really like that the next time you buy a phone, you'll be like, well, oh, maybe I'll go with the Microsoft one um, because the integration of the things that I enjoy will just be a little bit better in the way that people who are tied into Google get the the most benefit on Android. Like how many how many things like would you need to use in the Microsoft ecosystem? Well, I mean, they've displayed their willingness to adapt to other platforms, so I don't know. I'm my concern isn't really with the app number and I and I want to, you know, make this very clear. It's with the quality of the apps, right? Windows Phone has a ton of apps that I really, that I like, and 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 it's you know it's it's I I use a certain number of services like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, mm -hmm. um, you know Slack. The apps for Windows Phone just aren't as good, and and they're not updated as quickly on Windows Phone. And until developers get to the point where they're doing Windows Phone at the same time, it's probably not for me. And that's just the that's just my reality. Okay, but, so assume assume Windows Ten takes care of that, right? To the for the most part, and it's just like, oh hey, I, I started using um, Microsoft's new mail client because it's really really good because they bought they bought one and it's great and now it's even better on Microsoft and I use OneNote and OneDrive because they're actually really really great and uh, a lot of free storage and they work really well and I started using like we we all probably don't remember or think too much about the progression of lock-in that happened on whatever platform we're on but there was a progression of like i could not live without this application i could not live without that application i'm sitting here and i and i wonder like like because this is the this is the actual mountain that microsoft would have to climb to get people to jump over where they're I like i think that's that's the difference right is that i i find that over the last few years windows phone has become less about sign into your outlook account like you don't I feel like if Microsoft can make it so that you don't necessarily have to do that then and like that's like like a complete that they bought like one of the best that were one of the best things about it was that you could do like Exchange and Gmail and, and Google Calendar and all that kind of stuff for Sunrise so it's like I don't know I just find that that's that's the tie is that you can't tie use you, you can't expect users to tie themselves to your services if you're already trying to get them to switch like that's two battles no, I totally agree. Right. I... So, I mean, what's what's most interesting to me is whether Microsoft patches ties with Google um, in its quest to become a software and services company again. So, you know, we'll see. Um, and and there's it's just the beginning. I think Windows 10 for phones, Windows 10 for small tablets, and Windows 10 for desktop is going to be a great product regardless of where you use it. And this is the first time I'm actually excited for 
you know, the prospect of using Microsoft software and services. Me too. Um, so that, and, and I think a lot of people are saying that. So good on you, Microsoft, for getting there. Good job um, on you, Microsoft. Good job and on you're you. And you're challenging the status quo, which is Google dominating the cloud service, the software and services, and Apple, hard, you know, Apple in the hardware space, right? People don't want to be forced to use terrible Apple services when they're running Apple hardware. So right now, it's really interesting that I'm using an iPhone, um, which is Apple hardware, and I'm using Gmail, which is Google, um, you know, services, and I'm using. Uh, Outlook, which is uh, Microsoft software, yeah, and that's, that's the way to it should me, be. Though like, it's it's a mobile utopia. Yeah, it's great. You don't want to be prompted to download friggin' Silverlight every time you open a Nike app. Terrible. Spare me. <laughs> so the, mic the new Microsoft does look pretty good. Yeah, and I well, don't know. I don't think we have time to bitch about Lollipop. No, we'll get to next that week. next week when we have our special guest. Uh, Teddy Kritsonis, uh, he is our regular automotive um, columnist, and he'll be joining us on the pod next Thursday. For Stay Teddy's tuned. takes. Teddy's takes. <laughs> Teddy's yeah, corner. We're, we're figuring that out. Teddy's toy um, box. He's going to have a monthly automotive column uh, where he just beats Teddy. up all the automator, automakers for making terrible um, enter, infotainment centers. Ted a Teddy. There Ted you go. Ted a Teddy. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, you win. All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining us uh, on this quick pod. Uh, and uh, we will see you back next week. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.